Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week, and joining me is Crofton, as always. Crofton, but uh, we have a Happy special- 50th, Ryan! Whoa. It's the 50th episode of Dungeons and Diapers, which I just learned five minutes ago, and I'm super excited about now. Well, you know what? Um, e- this was all planned. I, I can't believe you missed the memo, but we have a special guest for our special episode. I'm kind of hurt going all that you out. forgot our anniversary, our 50th episode anniversary. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, but Jordan is here. Welcome, Jordan. Our our store our star, store wars, our Star Wars writer inner person who uh, feels the tingle in the force every time we talk about Star Wars. He's probably feeling it right right now. Um, we come. I'm in peace. feeling a tingle about something, guys. <laughs> that's good that's how you know the it's, podcast it's really is good. working it's good to be on it's good to be on guys i i, I would i did want to say i have been listening to this show since since the very beginning i started way back uh before my my first child was born uh, i think actually scott johnson recommended this podcast to me and i started listening and then my my son was born and then uh 15 months later my daughter was born so you guys have been with me through this entire parenting journey and uh, I don't know if I'm a better parent for it. Can't say, but uh, but it's been really great. So I just wanted to thank you guys for having me on here because this is a big deal to me. So thank you. Great. Hey, that's great, Jordan. We appreciate it. And for all of those who are listening, you'll notice we are like an aphrodisiac for baby making. <laughs> so if you are having any issues conceiving, just start listening to the show. Because mm. like, look at Jordan. He had no kids. Now he's got like five. Now I've got two. I've got two. Oh. Uh, they're, and they're 15 months apart. And, and I can say, maybe don't do that. Maybe do it. But maybe don't like who you know. If you're feeling spicy, go ahead and have two kids 15 months apart. It's something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I at least you know it, it's the same thing with twins. I guess the idea of like you're kind of pulling off the band aid all at once. Right. You're dealing with all that stuff at once. Like Ryan, your kids are pretty close in age, aren't they? Yeah. Like Caden and Abigail are under are under two years apart. So around the ages that you're at, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a lot to handle which is why we waited so long for for Isabel. And and this is the thing like you mentioned you had two kids in the span of this podcast. We also had a kid each during the span of this podcast and and maybe you're on to something. Maybe that's something <laughs> this thing maybe I don't know, but it should be noted we actually uh we actually paid Scott to to recommend the show, so <laughs> um, paid paid well, sponsorship there. Yeah. The, the nice nice going Ryan. M- m- um, eliminate our coolness factor immediately you well know? you know it's i uh, mean in all in all regards like scott knows both of us and i think he he likes me i mean i, I it's hard to tell if he likes tolerates crofton. me yeah <laughs> he tolerates I, crofton <laughs> I, I do I do like the fact that we would be walking on the street, Ryan and I, and and, and somebody would say, Hey, hey, uh, I hear good things about you you guys, and Ryan would quickly volunteer with, Yeah, we paid them to say that. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's the only advertising we ever did for the podcast. I just want to throw it, that out there. And I, I think like I said to Crofton when we did it, if we even get one listener from Scott doing it on, or saying about our show on the morning stream. And I and I think we had we had a really good turnout from from that sort of segment, and I do remember you know Jordan you kind of you know um, writing uh, writing in and tweeting and stuff so it's been really good, and we should probably <laughs> we should probably hit Scott up again. Um, do more advertising, hey, yeah. novel concept. Yeah, do do more advertising. That's that's the lesson learned. Here. The lesson learned. Uh, listen to the show and have kids 
always pay Scott to advertise your podcast. I think that's a pretty good sort of well-rounded message for the show. Um, we have a we have a special sort of uh, schedule for this week, um, but. As Crofton noted in the pre-show, we did not want to lose the dungeons and diapers of said segment. So we wanted to talk a little bit. We'll start things off with with some dungeons, a little sprinkling of dungeons. And I'm curious, Crofton, how how did your holiday dungeoning go? Did you did you do any game stuff? Yeah, like it's been for me anyway. It's it. Um, I got two full weeks off work, which was nice. But as anyone who has kids knows, that really means that nothing in terms of the amount of disposable time that you have uh, for nerd slash geek stuff. So I uh, there's a couple of things like I've I've dropped off the Expanse book series. I'm trying to get back back in and uh, a- enjoying it. I know that there's new episodes of the show up, um, and I've I've been on hiatus of the of the show for a while and i want to get back into that so that's one thing but mostly i've been playing a lot of cyberpunk 2077 on pc and um it's funny you always have to say that like disclaimer (laughs) i'm playing the good one um but uh but i've been really really enjoying it and i keep expecting with all the doom and gloom that originally surrounded its launch for me to fall out a fall off or for me to lose some sort of appreciation for it but man it has just been a really good time and i know i i'm now at the point in the game where there is sort of like they they kind of signposted that it's it's if you keep going you're into end game type type stuff so i'm doing all the the side stuff and particularly the side stuff that's more like character driven and uh it's really good like uh i'm enjoying it uh immensely and the character beats are super awesome they have a ton of great extra side characters and exploring night city you know never gets old for me it really is like the giant open world deus ex game that i always wanted so it's just really fun like when you get a game that you're really enjoying and it's really immersive and especially in this dystopic hellscape we all live in to be able to go down at the end of the day and be like okay i'm really tired but I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play this game and just get lost in that world and that sort of, so I, I have been enjoying it. And that's been like, for me personally, that that's been about it over, uh, over the holidays. Cause I've been doing a lot of outdoorsy, uh, type stuff with the fam and it's been, uh, been good. How about you there, Ryan? Well, I'm, I'm glad you got some cyberpunk in. I, I also played a bunch of cyberpunk on the Xbox one x so not necessarily the worst place to play it but kind of the middle ground of of uh places <laughs> i'll say and i mean i've i know you and i have discussed cyberpunk and i'm trying to be more uh i feel like the people understand the issues with the game for so for me to start every conversation with those issues and then lead into what i'm actually enjoying about the game is is we've we've already done that that dance we've already played that tune um, but I, I did, I talked a little bit about this on the Gamers Inn. I, I initiated, uh, an exchange with CD Projekt Red. They've been doing, I think, an excellent job on that front of helping out customers who feel as though, um, they either want to refund or want to play the game on another platform. And, and I'm lucky enough to have a PC that is well enough to, to play Cyberpunk on, on the preferred platform of both the developers and gamers. Um, and, and reviewers as well. Uh, so I, I, I got a PC code I'm playing on GOG. I, I obviously can't transfer my saves, but I started to sort of dabble on the PC 
And uh, yeah, it runs, it is well optimized and runs really well on on a PC. Like I think my graphics card is maybe a generation ahead of yours, Crofton, and it seems to be handling the game well. Um, I can kind of keep settings around sort of the mid mid level, which is about probably it looks great. Like I, I I mean I can keep a solid forty frames, and yeah, I'm One having a good time with it. In terms of graphics, you may have already figured this out. You're a tech wizard, Ryan. Yeah. Is is the uh, is for me like I've been playing these games, testing out my new super sweet monitor that auto set the HDR. Um, whereas this game, for whatever reason, and it's probably due to their myriad of you know, tech, tech issues does not. And like, you have to go into your window settings and turn on in the monitor, like HDR, and then start playing the game. And then those options become available in the video, uh, in the video settings. And it makes the game look so great because each the, the, the lighting is so amazing and all of that stuff is great. And I don't have the, the, the ray tracing or whatever, just the HDR is, is a huge enhancement, but it makes windows look like poop. So you don't want to do it in windows when you're using it. Uh, and, and so it's really annoying because like before, every time I launch the game, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go in my settings, turn on the HDR. And then I, I leave the window open. I, I leave the game. I'm like, Oh, better turn off the HDR. Uh, whereas other games I play just like, you know the the screen almost flashes to say that setting is being changed. So I find that I find that to be a bit annoying. But uh, if you haven't turned on HDR, I I recommend it. It looks sweet. Yeah, uh, I don't have an HDR monitor. Oh know. right, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was just gonna say. Story I wasn't sure with if my you sweet monitor. Yeah, that's right. No, I I, I, yeah. I did forget. Yeah, my yeah. monitor's awesome. Yeah, it's true. I do have uh, a pretty sweet monitor with G Sync and and stuff. I I am not able to play it like the fourteen forty yeah. p resolution, but I'm man. I survived a decade with ten eighty p. I'm sure I can do it a little bit longer without uh, trying to tear my hair out trying to find a new video card. So I'm I'm enjoying Cyberpunk. I'm still playing it. I I mean I've I've played a good chunk of it on Xbox. I plan to probably go through it a little slower on PC, do more side quests because I found on the Xbox I kind of I kind of maybe mainline mainline more the story and then that kind of led to a point where it's like, "Hey, this is the point of no return and there's still a couple quests that are clearly related to your main objective but are yeah. i guess optional so oh yeah it's sometimes very hard to say and also um people call you on the phone which i know doesn't seem like that big a deal but it's like the time doesn't pass naturally that fast in that game in some open world games you're like walking and you see the sun just shooting up above head in the sky and then it's nighttime in this game it's sort of like time goes relatively slowly like you look at the minute counter and you can see it see it go um and you can artificially make it pass quicker but people will call you after like six hours of game time or a couple of days they'll be like i'll call you back in a couple of days just like in kind of real life and it's funny because i haven't played many games like this but it's like you'll finish a quest and then maybe a character in that quest chain will want to contact you later uh but it's not immediately available for you to do uh but there's no trigger to it other than the passing of time so you could like go and sleep in your apartment wake up and have like three phone calls waiting for you about you know new quests i find that kind of fun like at any given time i'll like get a weird i'll get a call i'll be like oh this character's calling me what's up it's like having friends almost (laughs) yeah and i i have to say i hate i hate listening to you guys talk about this game because i've told myself that i'm not gonna buy it 
won until I beat Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is game of the, the year for me by far. Sweet. 2020. And then I also told myself that I'm not going to buy it until the Series X, Xbox Series X enhancement update where it's actually running next gen. I told myself I'm not going to buy it until that's out, which is looking like fall of 2021. If the yeah. Lord allows it, you know, who, who the heck knows? So when you talk about it like this, I look at my bank account. I'm like, hey, I, I could, I could drop sixty bucks. Like, you know, I could, I could buy this right now. I could play this. But, but then I, I tell myself rationally, like, no, no, I should wait until it's polished and it's what it should be and get that full experience because I'm not going to play it on PC. I've got a good gaming PC that I built. I've got a GTX 1080. I've got a 1440p uh, HDR G Sync monitor. I just hate gaming on my computer it was the biggest waste of money for me i really really am a console gamer through and through it's the weirdest thing but um i just want to sit on my couch you know i, I don't know what that says about me but i just want to sit. ryan's on my couch. the same i'm the it, same it's, way it's so strange yeah so I, uh, I think when you like for me when i look at pc gaming like sometimes i will get an itch to to jump back in and i think with cyberpunk mm-hmm. on pc that's kind of been it but i really did appreciate my time on the couch playing cyberpunk i think it's the main reason i was able to get so far um on console and and here's the thing you know if you if you have a series x and you're planning to play cyberpunk i I know that the delay of the next gen versions um or next gen upgrades is it is a bit of a bummer because again having to wait another half a year to three quarters of a year for for the version to play on your preferred platform um is that's a long that's a long time to wait but i think that if you if you kind of treat this this game the way um i've kind of looked at it is it's a good long haul game like it's an easy game to jump into kind of play a good stretch and jump out and i think cd project red before they had to delay everything um they were very good at like adding free dlc to their games to kind of say hey if you come back there's this little thing you can do and there's this little thing that you can do. And it's, it's kind of sprinkled in on your path to the next gen upgrade. Um, there's, yeah, they're talking about that. Like they're still, they haven't delayed that. And I, I am, I am keen because I'm still not sick uh, of the, of this game, which I normally would be at this point. One, one thing I would say uh, to the, the PC versus console gaming thing, just thinking about how, which games I like to approach in which way. Cause I do, I also like, sitting down on the couch as much as uh, the next person. But uh, I find that first-person games, like games that take place in a first-person perspective, for immersiveness factor, and, like, especially, I'm not sure if I'd mentioned it, but I have this sweet new monitor. It's really awesome. It, like, kind of curves. <laughs> and anyway, like, like for immersiveness factor, I just like being seated there net near, you know, close to the screen. I'm seeing what the person sees. When I'm sitting on the couch and I'm seeing what the person sees, I don't know. It's like, it feels like that there's a detachment there. I love playing games, like I said, Assassin's Creed or third-person action-adventure games um, on the couch. But but uh, for me, for the first-person games in particular, I'm drawn to playing them on PC more often than not. And it's not even a mouse and keyboard thing. I don't, you know, I don't care. I'll play on a controller. But uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think that's valid. I, I, I've i been, since I moved over to the PC, I've, I think I've really appreciated combat more because on the console, it does feel a little, like, clumsy um it it's definitely tuned to a keyboard and mouse but the dialogue and the navigation the driving it's all better with a controller and combined with the fact that there's just so much to read and listen to it's an open world cd project red rpg so there's lots there 
and I find I'm spending, I'm enjoying my time on the couch more than I'm dreading it when it came to Cyberpunk. But right. I think that if you have a Series X and um, those two patches that are going to come in January and February that'll help stabilize the game at least, uh, from what I hear on Series X and PS5, like it does run closer to uh, a high-end PC, so you're not running into the frame rate dips and the um the detail degradation that you see on the lower consoles so um it's gonna it's already actually on sale here in canada i think it went down by like 30 percent um i would wouldn't be surprised if you saw a discount hit in the states that uh that could push you over the edge Um, i i have not seen a discount at actual brick and mortar stores but uh the facebook marketplace here locally i see people selling their xbox versions of the game for 40 bucks like all the time so i i should pull the trigger at some point yeah but you know what like i know that assassin's creed game is supposedly a massive time sink and before we go into star wars do you want to tell us uh yeah i want to hear why is it your game why is it your game of the year 2020 i mean it's so I am a bit of a nerd. That I, that needs to be kind of established. I'm a I'm a history buff. Uh, if I wasn't working in advertising, I would be a history teacher, like hands down. So historical fiction, even the the ridiculous level that Assassin's Creed games are, uh, they they scratch all of the right itches for me. I love Vikings. I think that's cool. Um, but beyond that, I've spent about 75 hours in the world of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and and the story just it, it hits all the right marks. You've got this perfect level of exploration and and all of these fun European areas to explore. And and I don't know, just the whole aesthetic of it all is is way cool. I'll get lost just adventuring around for for several hours going to all of these sync points and before I do any story bits, just just adventuring around. And and that's a ton of fun to me. I mean, if you if you didn't like Origins and you didn't like Odyssey, you probably won't like Valhalla, but um because it's kind of more of the same, but it is way more condensed than um Odyssey was. I spent like 250 hours in Odyssey and I still haven't beaten the game and I probably never will. Um yeah. and Valhalla, I I'm getting close to the end after 75 hours. So, so it's a little, it's a little smaller. That's good. That is good to know because I also dropped on Odyssey, and I'm not saying I'll never go back to it, uh, but it it was a tremendous amount of content, and I I loved Assassin's Creed like one, two, uh, mm-hmm. Brotherhood, uh, Revelations. I was really into the series at that point, and I I never played Origins. I I sort of I, I hit a burn it, you know a burnout point around Black Flag as I think a lot of a lot of folks did. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed yep. Black Flag a lot, but um, but but uh, the RPG system in in Odyssey, I enjoyed it very much as a game. Like it was a, a really fun game. I it just was not like like Ghost of Tsushima is more of an Assassin's Creed game to me than than what they did in Odyssey. Odyssey was yeah. great. Great game, great RPG. I loved it. Loot, I liked. I even liked the combat system. I liked mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, is Valhalla like I've I've heard a little bit that they they may have not tweaked it, but like maybe gone back a little bit, like the Hidden Blade maybe back or yeah. Know, some so of they stuff. they dialed a lot of it back. The Hidden Blade is there. Um, the the loot element is not as big. I mean, I remember in Odyssey, I was getting new gear constantly to the point that it was 
uh, annoyingly overwhelming. They dialed that way back. They added some more stealth mechanics back from the old Assassin's Creed games, uh, where you can you can blend in and you can hire like a like a hobo to follow you around, and and he'll kind of disguise you a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and so they, they've added that stuff, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, but it's still very much that that origins odyssey kind of witcher style role-playing game but they they really tightened up the cultist type thing that they had in odyssey they they made it quite a bit more enjoyable um it's not as huge there's not as many of them and the mercenary system isn't anywhere near as annoying as odyssey was they've really dialed that back um, to the point where at the beginning of the game, your name gets put in this thing, no spoilers here, but your name gets put in this thing. And if you remove it in time, the, uh, the mercenaries won't come looking for you, but if you don't, they'll actively be hunting you. So it's probably just a difficulty scale type thing, but I removed it and I'm actually having a lot more fun than I ever did in Odyssey because of that. I'm not constantly hearing those freaking horns go off and the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah, mercenaries yeah. sneak I up remember. on me. That just ticked me off so uh, much. But they had it's good fun. Loot, it's though. a good game. Mm-hmm. I, no, they I did. did. Uh, they did. Yeah. yeah. Um, TJ, just last question on on, on that. Um, how's the like Cyberpunk gets reamed for bugs, uh, and I know there was talk about that with with Odyssey as well. Um, this clips I've seen all look pretty nice. Uh, has has it been bug free for you? Or I have not reason? seen. I I played it. I started playing it on the Xbox One X, and then I, I got my Series X probably about 20 hours in to the game and uh i have not seen any bugs i know um alex albisu he had he put on twitter uh, like last night two nights ago of a very bizarre bug that he had in the game of just the character completely glitching out i have not had any of that the worst that i have seen is when you do like a takedown and you're too close to a wall and the camera will kind of clip behind the wall and get a little stuck but you just move around and you're fine again. Like I have not had a single game breaking thing, which is a, a rarity considering the yeah, publishers how, of that game. And also how how big and and how many systems are at play. I I often say about Cyberpunk, it's one of those games where like yeah, if I wanted to, I could break it. I could break it eight times over. Like walking mm-hmm. down the street, I could I could you know run up to against the wall and do all like I could the yeah. NPCs. I could do all this stuff, but which is fair like and maybe it should be more polished and maybe it should be smoother but the reality is that if i don't try to break it mm-hmm. uh if i just enjoy the ride and like and, and and approach it well then it it's actually you know very very playable and the bugs are um you know like some folks will say hey you know the world revolves around you if you stop doing stuff and you take a good look around the world like um you know, it's not as reactive as a Grand Theft Auto type world. And I said, and I, you know, they could be right, but does that mm-hmm. affect my enjoyment of the game? Not unless I let it right. or try to try right, to exactly. try to make it. So anyway, and, and you mentioned enjoying the ride, and I do have to say, Valhalla, if you if you just sit back and and you look around, like I, I'm playing it on the Series X, so it's running 4K on my television at I think probably about 30 frames per second. Um, which is fine for me. I, I I couldn't care less about the frame rate as long as it's playable. Um, I if you're just if you're just chilling on your boat and you're sailing out there. I came up to the cliffs of Dover in, in England, and and the sun was rising and this fog was setting over the land, and, and I just I was like, dear God, how could a game be this beautiful? 
Like yeah. as as the cool. sunlight is peeking through the fog, you see this beautiful cliff range, uh, whatever you want to call the cliffs of Dover. They're they're gorgeous, but they don't have them here in in flat Northwest Ohio. Um, it's it's just nice, and, and just be able to sit back and be like, this game is a is a visual masterpiece at times. I mean, at times it can be janky because it's Assassin's Creed, but it's it to me, it's one of the most gorgeous games I've ever seen. Doesn't it seem funny? Like I always often say this to my wife, but when it comes to these games where, where uh, we'll reminisce about times that like she's walked, like she, I was playing Zelda Ocarina of time when we first met around the time we first met in like Sejap in 1998 or whatever. And she walked in and was like, wow, this game, this is like the best looking game I've ever seen in my life. Like she was, her, her mind was blown. And I guarantee there, I think when I, we first got HD TVs, like 720p oh, yeah. and, and that we, the first Assassin's Creed I had on my Xbox 360 and my brother came in and was like, this is like, this is like real life. It cannot get any better. It just oh, yeah. makes that road to Damascus on the first Assassin's Creed. And you're, you're coming up and you see Damascus on the horizon yeah. and you're like, how can a game improve upon this? Because I know it's it, like, I'm there. It's so crazy. And like, I haven't, I haven't played it for many a year and who knows what it looks like now, but I do think it's funny if, you know, in five, 10, 20 years down the road, somebody picks up Assassin's Creed Valhalla and starts playing it and is like, wow, this game looks horrible. Like, it's just, yeah. it is funny to think that we may at one point be at that. Yeah, they they take a step out of their, their VR simulator with a full motion thing and they, they pick up their, their grandfather's Xbox Series X and they make like, man, this looks like butthole. Just total butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I find that um, when you look at games like, uh, you know, Cyberpunk and Valhalla and we talk about you know fast forwarding 10 years uh the games that try to strive for more of a realistic approach often don't hold up to Mm -hmm. to existing games 10 years later but I mean we talk about more uh cartoony type style like all of Nintendo's games I mean if you look at Wind Waker it's a GameCube game and it still stands up to today's standards when you go to play that one and even when you look at a remaster of Wind Waker on Wii U, which is an HD console, like not a lot of work is done to make that game look good. I mean, all those assets were built uh, at HD levels and they just kind of did a little bit of remastering work and, and you've got your, your Wind Waker running on an HD console. And I think that's where you kind of come across fast forwarding 10 years and you see these games and it's not just Nintendo games. There are other examples as well, like, uh, well, I mean, PlayStation comes to mind probably any of the Ratchet and Clank games on the PS3 and above. Like those have really held their their look and feel over the years. But I'm I'm really interested in trying Valhalla. I really liked Odyssey. Didn't like Origins as much, but uh, Odyssey really, you know, really presented a strong character first and foremost, a great setting, and just this huge world. And for some reason, I didn't feel overwhelmed as much as i thought i would about odyssey and it really it makes me happy to hear that valhalla is maybe more of a maybe not more of a focused approach but a more Mm -hmm. like streamlined like there's still an open world but you've you've got some focus there you've got some trajectory yeah Uh, definitely so i'm excited about that 
I just would say one thing, and I don't know if you guys are like this, but I I have a hard time sometimes when I don't finish a previous game, justifying in my mind purchasing the next one. Just like so, so I have Odyssey, and I have there's tons of islands I haven't been to. There's tons of stuff I haven't done yet. Uh, I have put a sizable amount of hours into it, um, but you know, like to go and buy Valhalla. And, and not just pop Odyssey back in and keep playing. Like sometimes like, you know, where you have to convince your, your, your brain almost like justify a purchase. Like I, I have, I have a hard time when it's in the same series and I haven't even like completed the last one. So that, but I, I don't think that's going to stop me. I've heard just too much. Soon as yeah, Valhalla is too good of a game. It, it's so much better than Odyssey and it's just so much tighter. Like I was like 35, 40 hours into the game and a friend texted me and said, Hey, have you been to um, Jotunheim and uh, oh, Asgard yet? And I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't know you could go to freaking Asgard. Like if I knew I could go to Asgard, I would have been there 15 hours ago. And, and it's just like a little side quest. And it takes you down this rabbit trail where there's like 15 hours of more content. And in it, it was absolutely tremendous. There's, it's full of surprises. And the depth is there. Like you can spend a crap ton more time in the game if you want to. I think um, crossing on that note, I think that if you put a lot of hours into Odyssey and you enjoyed it, uh, I think the core value of of any new Assassin's Creed game is the new setting. And I think when you look at the comparison between you know ancient Greece and sort of Viking era uh, UK and surrounding area. It, it it's going to give you a different look and feel. And I think that was always the benefit. I had never had an issue buying another Assassin's Creed, even if I hadn't finished the previous, because the stories are so loosely connected at best. And the new yeah. settings really presented this new experience that I didn't mind shelling over, you know, the extra funds to, to get another game in, in a similar vein, but a new setting um, and new mechanics. Like they are, they're always iterating, um, yeah, and that's they didn't yeah. used to be though, Ryan. Like I, Desmond's story, I was really invested in it. Sure. I was, you know, there would be there would be games that would lose some cliffhangers with regards to him, and I'd be I'd be keen on seeing what was going to happen next. But um, like obviously, I did not play Origins, so I didn't start the new. Uh, but even like from Black Flag onwards, it started becoming much more. The 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 present day stuff became a lot different um and i've lost the plot on that so you're right i could easily pick up valhalla i i don't know where we left things pre with present day stuff at odyssey i only went into it a couple of times and i don't really remember what, what was going on jordan are you yeah, following I have zero me? memory no i have you, zero memory of yeah. that stuff like i like the the stuff in it is is cool this time like they they, they bring in some of the the real world stuff but it is so I mean, it's just convoluted. It's not well told, and they know it's not well told. Yeah, so okay. I think they're kind of bypassing it a little bit. Yeah, it's sort of off off the like. I remember playing a little bit of Origins, and then playing a lot of Odyssey, and the sort of interstitial moments where you're getting the the future story or the sort of the connecting story. It's really connected well in, in the first few segments of of the of Odyssey, where it's like, hey. We did a thing and we ran away and now we're over here and I'm sure it's the same with Valhalla. It's if the it, if same it's exact. You you are in a new cabin in a new location. I think you're in Newfoundland uh, this oh, time. Canada. So uh, it's 
I think I'm pretty sure because it's Vinland, whatever Vinland was in historical Vikingdom. I'm pretty sure that was Newfoundland. So you're there. Um, It's funny. I was just listening to a podcast today. You're just in a cabin and that's it. And every now and then they'll wake you up. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. No, you're good. No, I was just going to say, I was, I was listening to a podcast today about um, sort of Vikings and how I guess in the States they thought that uh, Vikings first landed in Boston and then they had found actual archeology span in, Newfoundland, uh, with with you know Viking artifacts and stuff, so it's it's kind of and that's that's the that is why you're there because cool. and this is not a spoiler. They cover it in the first like five minutes of the game. You the the main character is buried in Newfoundland or sorry Newfoundland if that's how the Canadians say it. No, it's Newfoundland. It's uh, Newfoundland. Ryan's saying it wrong. It's, I want to throttle him. It's Newfoundland. And, uh, and you know, it's only that the they people should... who say it perfectly every time that want to hurt other people for saying it wrong. Like, I don't do it in any <laughs> sort I was of actually, malice. I was it's really just... self-conscious. One of our clients is a, is, a, is a tourist area in Newfoundland called Adventures Newfoundland. And I was like, oh, my gosh, have I been saying my client's name wrong like this entire time? Like, is yeah, this so, Canadian really going to correct me? As no, long as you well. don't call him a newfie, that is bad. Don't don't yeah. say that. That's that, like the dog. Well, yeah, maybe it could be, but it's also like, you know, uh, not, it's like a derogatory thing. You call someone from Newfoundland now. Oh, neat. Good to know. Thank you. So do, Don't think it's like endearing. Hey, you silly newfie. He'll be like, not <laughs> I'm not going to use that in any ad copy. Hey, all yeah, you newfies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> watch. This hour is 22 minutes, at least a couple episodes to get a good idea of Atlantic <laughs> oh. Canada. But uh, um, yeah. they should put it. They should put that it's in Newfoundland on the box when they sell it in Canada. Like just the uh, just <laughs> they're like now featuring Newfoundland, and it, it probably sales would go up the roof. I, hey, I'm the first to admit. Like I mean, if someone had told me that, I I find it, I still find it fascinating when games sort of go outside their wheelhouse and reference other places other than the United States of America uh, mm-hmm. or London, and I think like that. That to me is is really interesting. I remember there was an Assassin's Creed game that specifically mentioned Montreal, but in relation to the evil, you know, um, corporation, <laughs> not Ubisoft, but uh, whatever the uh, Abstergo is it? I think in yeah, 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 Abstergo. So I mean, anyways, I I for one have been looking at Valhalla, and it's funny enough, I was gonna pick it up on PC using the uh, the UPlay Plus subscription. Oh, nice, yeah. Um, I figured that'd be an easy way for me to play a little bit of that, and also play a little bit of uh, Immortals Rising, the new Phoenix Phoenix Immortal Rising. Anyway, the other open world Ubisoft game. Yeah. That oh yeah. Launched. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time to to be a gamer, but it's also an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. And I mean, this is the reason we wanted to have you on, because Croft and I felt legitimately bad over the last couple of years, mostly in the last couple of months. But Ryan felt worse. I Well, <laughs> I mean, I am notoriously not good at Star Wars. It's just I'm not it's it's not my uh, I'm not good at it, but I like it. I like it. Um, but we're going to talk about all the announcements that Disney kind of shotgun approached, but in a good way, I feel, um, with their their Disney investor note. And then we are going to talk spoilers about uh, The Mandalorian, and I will time code all of this. So if you still have not listened to The Mandalorian, we will let you know when we're going to start spoilers, and we will let you know when it's going to be done. But I, I first want to kick things off with, um, we don't necessarily have to go through all of the projects that they're working on, but I mean, maybe like our favorites, because there's definitely a lot. 
And I mean, I'm going to start with our guest Jordan here because you are the Star Wars person, and and we've we've obviously had two years to talk about this stuff. It's your turn <laughs> to take the mic. What are you most excited about when it comes to these new Disney projects? So, so first and foremost, the Acolyte series is is something that I'm, I'm very excited for. Um, when I was a young, edgy teenager, the Sith were were kind of my my jam. I really enjoyed them. Um, I've since grown up and gone toward the light, but. Um, the 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 prospect of it being set in the High Republic era, which is Disney's big new kind of literary focus, they're doing. I don't know if you guys have paid much attention to it, but they're doing a massive coordinated effort between comic books and 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 novels, uh, including uh, adult novels, uh, young adult novels, and children novels, um, both middle grade and like picture books for for little kids. Um, they're doing a massive coordinated effort to to kickstart this whole new timeline in the Star Wars universe that takes place. Uh, the the first book, The Light of the Jedi by Charles Soleil, takes place 200 years before The Phantom Menace. So we have a, a very, very big gap. They talk about the Jedi being at the height of power and then the slow and steady decline uh, to where they were at the Phantom Menace, where you had Chancellor Valorum have the, the vote of no confidence and, and Palpatine step into power. So super cool with that. The Acolyte series is rumored to take place between 100 to 50 years within that timeline. So we'll have, um, I'm just going to say 100 years because that's what I'm assuming. But you're going to start to see the Sith really rise to power in that series. So we could see, you know, Darth Plagueis. We could see a young Palpatine. We could see uh, who the heck knows. Um, it, it's rumored that the protagonist of that series will be a female, which would be really cool. You'll see a female Sith, and and maybe we'll see them establish the rule of two, or that will already be there, and she's trying to rise up into into new power as a Sith. Who the heck knows? No one's really got any firm details on it, but it is enough to have me really, really excited because it, it, it could be cool. And we just want to see more lightsabers on screen. I I, I want to see really good, well done lightsaber fights uh, between two Sith, between a Sith and a Jedi. Who knows? It should be cool though. Yeah, no, that sounds all really good. And and it's funny when I think about the High Republic era, I think about I, I my mind immediately as a non Star Wars understander uh, goes to like the the old Republic, and I know that's completely different from the old and the High Republic and if those are even different eras or if it was just one big long one. Um, but yeah, you're, this is the first time realizing that this is more closely tied to the, the mainline star Wars timeline. Um, if it's like kind of a prequel to the prequels, if I can mm-hmm. say that without being, uh, taken off the internet. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it sounds really interesting. I like the idea of, of kind of looking at the dark side of, of Star Wars and looking at the Sith more closely because I feel like that's always been for me uh, for Star Wars it's always been the the thing they don't focus on the most they don't really right. give the dark side um, a story it's always until the bitter end right like it's all you're bad 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 and it's like oh but actually you were kind of good uh, and we've turned yeah. you like it's really it's always been the background, but to have it be the foreground and, and the full on story might be interesting. To yeah, and see and that it should sign. be fun. Like, I don't know who's going to be producing it. Um, I don't know if it'll be Filoni or, or, or someone else. Um, but we did see some some really good dark side stories with Maul in, in Rebels. I don't. Did you guys watch any of the Star Wars cartoon stuff? 
I didn't know. I'm actually watching Rebels uh, off and on right now, so I no spoilers if you don't. Good, I, I will not spoil. Um, <laughs> but you do see Darth Maul appear, and and he is much more than a one dimensional bad guy in the show. He's got a lot of levels of of nuance to him. Not not at all that he's sympathetic and a good guy, um, because he is quite clearly an antagonist. But he just has a lot more depth to him, and and you see the levels of his motivation. And it's quite good. And I, I'm hoping that the Acolyte, they can, they can give us that, the, the shades of gray that these bad guys will have. That they're not 100% evil all of the time. Because, I mean, you look at Star Wars characters, especially in the, the main saga films, they are quite clearly evil 100% of the time. There's nothing uh, lovely or delightful about them, which is why Kylo Ren never should have been redeemed. But there's, they're just homicidal maniacs. And, and then storytelling it nowadays is a lot more nuanced. You want those, you know, yeah, they're bad, but but they have this, this, and this about them. So I'm I'm hoping that we kind of see that and they they kind of give us some really good storytelling there. Um and then after that, uh Taika Watiti's film is is one that I am super interested in. Uh there are others that I'm probably a little bit more excited about, but his one of the images that they use to promote it, we have no details on this film, but one of the images that they used to promote it had this little, uh, it was like a, like a prism thing in the background. And the only time that we have seen that in Star Wars stuff was in uh, a book. Oh, it was, I forget the name of it. It was like into the something or the something of the Jedi. I'm not sure. I haven't read it yet. I actually just picked it up to read, but it takes place 20,000 years before the Star Wars films would have. It's no longer canon. Disney's kind of relegated it to the legends, but it's it's about the the rise of the Jedi and the very start of all of this, the the force and all of that kind of stuff. And and that is the only time that we've seen that image is on the cover of that book that took place 20,000 years before the Star Wars films. So what Taika might be doing is giving us a look at the very foundation of the Jedi. And now this is all speculation. Don't take any of it as truth. But looking at the very beginning of how the Force uh, you know, called the, the Jedi and, and maybe they'll be on Tython. Uh, I think they introduced Tython in Mandalorian Season 2 for for a reason they didn't just have him go there for uh, for kicks and giggles it 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 seems like they're setting up things and and tython is historically in the star wars universe where the jedi got their foundation so uh maybe taika is going to take us there and go way way back not even the old republic era but to the very beginning of the force which could be way cool what I what I think is is cool, not just about all of this, but about your picks that you start with those is that they are outside of the what I guess you would call fan service picks, the like the Obi Wan series, uh, even Andor, uh, any of You're those. Reading my list. What are you doing? Uh, no, just just. <laughs> I mean, I get I mean, it. I get it. No, no, I mean like like even Boba Fett. Uh, being in in the book of boba and all of that um uh, uh what i find is you've got this giant galaxy this giant universe and um and and they're always talking about skywalkers right mm-hmm. like it's always yeah. it's always the same family and then 
you know, legend stuff aside, the fact that it was all, you know, once bought by Disney, all this, all this expense, extended stuff was kind of put on the shelf and said, this is now the legend stuff. Um, And and is, is slowly weaving its way back into the, the, the greater canon again uh, in, in, in different ways, like they're cherry picking what they, you know, what they want to use and they're, they're bringing it bringing that sort of stuff back uh but even in like like stuff like the video game space um with everything from from dark forces to uh to the jedi um the force the force unleashed where they're like yeah vader had this secret apprentice between these two movies and uh and then and then they they, he's been there the whole time Uh, and then they 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 write them off at one point like it's like okay this is now canon Oh, this is he had the, the this thing, and they try to find these little spaces in between the movies to stick this extra stuff. And sometimes, like with the Clone Wars and Rebels and the Mandalorian, that you know that can work, and you can get some good good results there. But that often it just seems like like can you not go somewhere else? So when when the the Knights of the Old Republic game came out, I was. Uh, I, I, I thought that was so cool because it captured what everybody enjoyed about Star Wars, the Jedi, the Sith, the light side, the dark side, the laser swords, the blasters, the traveling to different worlds, the cool spaceships, the droids. Um, it, and it gave it a new sort of visual look a new visual style at new characters that weren't bound to any sort of fiction. You weren't going to cross paths with any sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink cameo at any point. It was all new stuff and it resonated really well with me and i really really appreciated it at the time mm-hmm. so the idea that the high republic like honestly anything for the accolade series the the high republic um uh comic books all of that stuff like they, they're building like the the look of it while laser swords are laser swords to a certain extent they're building the look of it and the the feel of it and all of this sort of stuff from the ground up and it's new and refreshing in that in that way and ryan this is not at all to shit on stuff like the obi-wan series which i obviously appeals to me uh, as a fan of a lot of these characters uh, it, but it's at the same point i think the, the, the key to success with star wars here is to build beyond like the same stuff we're talking about and that's why exactly the, like the star wars the story of star wars is so much bigger than than the skywalker family and and the obviously the saga films the nine films that we had are, are should be all about the skywalkers and i'm totally cool with that i i loved all of them, except for uh, a very small couple of them, and and I, I think that they're fine for what they are. But now we have a much bigger galaxy. So give me the two hundred years before the films start, and then I don't know. Give me freaking a thousand years after the films. Give me a new republic. Give me a new era of something and, and new stories to be told. Because it is kind of annoying when you look at some of this stuff and you know it's all going to lead to. Uh, the Phantom Menace, or it's all going to lead to The Force Awakens. Like, everything that happens within The Mandalorian, like, it's wonderful. It is, without a doubt, in my opinion, the best Star Wars we have ever received, and and hopefully won't ever receive, but, I mean, for now, it is the absolute best. But we know it's going to lead up to the events of The Force Awakens. So, we kind of have that that bookend kind of looming over top of us. So give me a new era. Give me something completely different to to enjoy because it's a very big galaxy out there. And there's some wonderful storytelling with a lot of deep, intricate plots that can be explored. And uh, and, and the High Republic is doing that. Um, I, I wholeheartedly recommend reading The Light of the Jedi by Charles Soleil. The book just came out last week. 
Uh, I finished reading it Tuesday night. Um, probably my favorite Star Wars story that I have read. It is just truly wonderful. They explore the the lore behind the Force uh, really well. They do a lot of world building, and also some of the main characters have the same last name as me, and it's that's a lot of fun to read about the Blythe family. Uh, and and you're like, I knew it all along. I knew it. it. It was so weird. We were listening to it on our drive back up from a from a small vacation that we had. That was COVID safe, mind you. Um, but we were listening to it on our way back up from the vacation. And they started talking about this character named Erica Blythe. And I was like, holy crap, that's my wife's name. And and so Erica Blythe is one of the characters in this book. And she's also my wife. So that automatically pushed it up a few levels of enjoyment for me, hearing about uh, my is she wife. she Sith? Uh, no, she's a she's a farmer that lives on Alderaan, but okay. uh, but Ooh. a very wealthy Get farmer. Out. So you know, <laughs> I guess yeah, she's got years, a few thousand years. <laughs> yeah, she's all right. She's all right, Ryan. <laughs> but her but her her descendants, uh, I know that I know that uh, Alderaan yeah. Um Exactly. Yeah, they I all also died. said it they, wrong. They're all dead. It's fine. It's fine. My family's dead. It's cool. <laughs> uh, it's it's really interesting when I look at these Star Wars projects and i hadn't really realized until you you kind of laid it out there like these are all connected to some pre-existing popular part of star wars lore and i wonder Mm -hmm. if disney is uh they've kind of rebooted their idea of taking star wars and mcuing it in that they kind of failed with um i although i really liked rogue one and and solo those those are probably two of uh you know, a couple of the great films that they made in, in the new era here, but um, there was problems with it, but I'm totally cool with those movies launching a series to try to recapture yep. what was some great casting and some good writing and some great action. Like there's a lot yep. there to love in those films. So if they can salvage some of that work and kind of bring it into a series, like with the Lando series, I really hope it is, um donald glover and the oh, guy if it's not i'll be i'll be peeved and and they you we've seen them do this once before they did this with the clone wars cartoon mm-hmm. and, and i do encourage anyone who has uh too much time on their hands to go watch all of the clone wars cartoon push through seasons one and two they're not great they didn't know what they were doing yet season three and up they really kind of find their footing and and watch all of that and then go back and watch revenge of the sith revenge of the sith will be infinitely better because of what you watched in the clone wars your your attachment to not just anakin but all of the clones and all of their storylines and and the way you uh captain rex and and the way that he has to shoot down obi-wan and you really kind of understand and you really kind of grasp why the clones are the way they are and how they ended up in this place it's it adds a, a very nice emotional depth to it to a film that was about as deep as a sandbox they they added a lot to it and and i i do recommend it because it it i mean when i watch revenge of the sith now it actually i kind of get a little bit emotional so it's quite good jordan just a question about that because it echoes what you said earlier about the end point for the mandalorian recognizing that that it's going to run up against the force awakens or that's where we're heading anyways mm-hmm. so so with the Clone Wars, it, again, it was it was um, leading up to. It's funny. I was saying this to my wife the other day. It is really funny that this um, show, ostensibly for children, 
has an endpoint of uh, that you know is going to be uh, the order to exterminate the Jedi, yeah. right? Like you know mm-hmm. that it has this extremely dark conclusion that is built in, and that they're 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 you know going towards going towards that. And again, like in a way with the Mandalorian, it's like there is going to be the rise of the First Order and all of this sort of stuff. But I do feel like that both Revenge of the Sith and the force awakens and all of these films uh post original trilogy have some fundamental creative problems um and then you have these series that come on in it often dave filoni related series Man, um, what a they, god he is they, but anyway they, carry on they they come in and essentially you know work around the train wrecks if you want and, and like and like <laughs> they tiptoe no, make, around the lego spilled everywhere yeah for real they do no, but yeah. but jordan jordan's just saying he's like he goes back and he appreciates this film so much more based on the work that this this other team has done in in mm-hmm. like looking at it and then building to it and it, it, you know it, it could be well it could well be that like i'll i'll watch you know four more seasons of the mandalorian and we'll we'll be connected to the force awakens and then i'll be i'll watch the force awakens and i'm like oh man this is hitting me in a different way obviously not they're not they're not going to connect in that way whereas um it, it really uh it the clone wars definitely builds up to uh, uh revenge of the sith but i just i do find it interesting it's not like um all this ancillary content is surrounding like it's not like the godfather or or um or citizen kane is is getting like a whole bunch of extra stuff there's, there's not the in. citizen kane expanded universe yeah exactly yeah, it's really, not this you know, ties it all the, the rosebud limited series or anything <laughs> like that no it's it's all it's all um it's often based off of the and it's not even the the main like movies that are like hugely critically acclaimed like the empire strikes back or whatever it's often like th- these movies that may be more train wreck like the the clone wars series follows probably the most derided film in 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 attack of the clones yeah. um you know that that there ever was in star wars so it is it is interesting and impressive how how, how these well these and, and we see this a lot in star wars and, and my theory is that star wars stories are best told in in television or novel uh, movies just don't seem to cut it. Either the the writers and directors don't seem to know how to tell the the perfect story that we need, or or whatever it is. But the books just add so much more. Like like Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars film, and and I loved it a lot more after reading Catalyst, which is the prequel to Rogue One. It talks all about Galen and how he uh, meets director Krennic and how they kind of become best friends and then they kind of split and then they have a kid, it's Jin. And then the book after that called Rebel Rising talks about how Jin and Saw, uh, how they kind of get around and and how Jin breaks off from Saw because Saw is a, a literal domestic terrorist and um, how she breaks off from him and all of that stuff. And then you go watch Rogue One and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got all of this background knowledge about Jin, all of this background knowledge about her dad. Director Krennic isn't, you know, this kind of flat character that didn't have a whole lot of exposition to him. And and then all of a sudden Rogue One is, to me, the best. And I'm going to say something really controversial on your show. Um, The the last or yeah, the last Jedi is my favorite of all of the the Skywalker Star Wars films. 
and and that is very controversial. People seem to very much disagree with me. But the Last Jedi is nearly a perfect Star Wars film. Wow, yeah. I I've heard you that edit out said... the casino scene. I think you've got it. Yes, right? uh, yep, absolutely. Edit out the yeah. casino. Didn't <laughs> love the fathers. Didn't love that stuff. Like I get why it was there. It was this this juxtaposition of the hurt in the galaxy versus the ultra wealth. Like I get why it existed. I just would have rather it not existed. Yeah, I think um, I think when you look at what they've done, it's kind of weird. Like if this, if all these announcements had happened, maybe if, uh, at the beginning when they first brought in the franchise, people mm-hmm. would be really unsure of what was going on and and probably questioning Disney. But I think thanks to the Mandalorian, there and and the success of Disney Plus, they're able to kind of announce all these things. And yeah. us be excited about all of them. Oh, and I they're going to do well. They're going to do incredibly so. well. Yeah. And, I, and you look at the the new Star Wars book that just came out. Sorry to cut you off there. No, it's fine. The new Go Star ahead. Wars book that just came out, it is debuting at number one on the Times bestseller list. Like, wow. for that, and that's unheard of for a Star Wars book. It's never done that before. And because people are really freaking excited about Star Wars. And, and it's something that the movies did not accomplish. Um, the Rise of the Skywalkers, and this is another controversial opinion, to me, is the worst of all of the Star Wars films. Because um, it was lazy. It was just fundamentally lazy, and it sucked. But I, if you I, like I it, I'm really happy for you. That one is not as controversy, uh, uh, controversial. I think that like people would would have it in, in the bottom three, that's for sure. I I, I, uh, I appreciate, like, um, like, obviously both of those opinions are ones that the internet and and all of us could debate endlessly which is the best which is the worst um right. star wars film i do, i just want to go back to your comment about it being better served by books and t- television because i'm starting i'm starting to come around to that conclusion as well i realize like you know uh, when you have kids and you're you're thinking about the way that they come at these giant entertainment properties my friend sent me a message the other day uh, you know he's a six-year-old turning seven-year-old and was wondering if it was time to show him a new hope and i said well you know um just be aware like there's 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 a a burning aunt beru and uncle owen there's arms that get sliced off and bars by lights like there is content there's darth vader choking stuff choking folks there's planets being destroyed there's all of this stuff um there's enough nightmare fuel in there to do you pretty good uh i i I said, just think about it. Watch it with your wife, and then think about it as your son is watching. Your son is watching it, and is he ready for it? And I said, just because we're like really into Star Wars, you think about the way you got into it. Like for me personally, the first Star Wars property I ever I ever consumed was an animated TV show in the eighties called Droids. Oh, dude, Uh, I love Droids. I had that on VHS. It was so good. Yeah, no, I we we had some evidences of VHS as well, and obviously the Ewoks had an animated series, and the Ewok movies, which I had seen, but did not, you know, did not necessarily relate that they were they were Star Wars in at the time. And this is the thing: like kids are more likely to to get exposed to Star Wars now by picking up a Lego Star Wars mm-hmm. or by by like coming in these weird back doors as opposed to you know the big wide front entrance that you're like, how do I get my you know, how do I get my kids started on Star Wars? What is appropriate um, in all of that? And I just find that um, it's getting, I, I mean, like I'm really enthused to get my kids into to Star Wars. It's just what is what is the right time? Ryan's like, I've already made them watch Revenge of the Sith. No, we watched, um, uh, but, we watched uh, A New Hope, uh, but they couldn't make it halfway through. I, I 
they they got bored so yeah well yeah. also that's another thing that's better than scared shitless though i i would take i don't that know if there's you. much in those old ones like in the set maybe maybe i'm forgetting something but like the first half of okay there's one scene in a new hope early on where people are burned to death and i think like if they understood what happened there which i remember watching it for the first time i didn't really understand it's like why'd they leave they had a fire and no one told luke oh that's weird um <laughs> dude Dude, the first scene in A New Hope is like they they do a boarding th- uh, of a ship and they shoot a bunch They're of dudes. shooting like laser beams and, then, and people are yeah. falling over. They're getting and tased at best. And then Darth Vader walks in, grabs a dude by the throat, wears him, you know, like doesn't picks, he use his force powers though? Like if you can't no, see he, it, he it picks him count. up. You know, no, he, he picks him up by the throat. Oh, okay. He, he picks yeah. him up. He's holding. He's like ah, he's being choked and stuff. Like that. Ryan's like. Ah, this is all right. And then you know. hear the crunch of his <laughs> yeah. of his neck as Vader yeah. oh, okay. crunches him and then tosses him aside. Um, Caden's K- like this is boring. Well, I, I think I, that's an interesting. I didn't I didn't really remember all of that. Um, but it's funny. Like I, there, there's a uh, yeah. I guess there's no force choking in Frozen, so I, I really have no. Uh, it's just it's just one of the, that's why I told my friend to watch it with his wife and like be mindful of all these little bits because all it takes is one. Like even that, you know, um, the when I did watch it as a kid, do you remember the garbage compactor scene with the mm-hmm. with the 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 little eyeball that comes out and all that man that gave me nightmares big time i made it and that's three quarters of the way through the film i made it pretty deep before i got there i you know i got there it's just it like it's tough um and it's gonna be tough to get your kids into it plotting and this the way that they would tell the story back in the 70s and 80s is so different to how how a story is told now so if your kids grow up watching pixar and they grow up watching modern cinema They're not going to be accustomed to this very slow, very methodical way of telling a story because they didn't have a ton of money for a special effects budget. Yeah. So unlike the the rise of uh, Skywalker, where it was like a runaway freight train for like two and a half freaking hours and it never slowed down and it never told us any plot. It was just like flashing lights and, and a lot of just randomness that was not great. You had... <laughs> Back then, you had just very slow and and thoughtful moments, and and kids these days are going to be like, oh my gosh, what is this nonsense? Yeah, you know, um, you could be right there. Like, I think that I I keep thinking, oh no, this holds up. But then I was like, you know, the the scenes of R two and three PO walking in the desert, and then the and then the uh, the ja- Jawas and their big thingy comes up, and mm-hmm. it's like it's all it's so and- slow. Yeah, it's it, wonderful. It's the yeah. best thing that ever happened, but it's so slow. Yeah, yeah, fair. No, yeah. it's fair. I wonder, like, if you... So, I mean, we're going to move into Mandalorian spoilers in a little bit, but when you look at what they did with Season 2 of The Mandalorian and 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 you see that influence with all of these announcements, you've got, what, one, two... Two spinoff series that are clearly leading to... Um, to to some sort of cinematic conclusion, whether it is a uh, whether it is another you know defenders esque amalgamation show or a movie possibly, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of hints in Mandalorian season two as to where that could go, who the big bad could be, and we'll talk about all of that. But I just I find it normally I'd be like really concerned about someone like oh we just hit season two and now you've got like three spinoff shows. Uh, yeah, there's three, and and then hinting at a conclusion to all of that in some some way. And I mean, we haven't really seen that done well 
in television. I don't know. I don't know if the defenders on Netflix necessarily hit it out of the park. I, I know I, by the time it came out, I wasn't really watching those anymore, but I think that it's in it's a really exciting time to be a star this there really hasn't been another time like this for star wars fans where you're getting mm-hmm. solid content across the board even video games have kind of come around on the star wars license it took ea about half a decade to get there but i think we're there and with all the announcements that have come out in just the last few days um you have this in the notes jordan you know ubisoft is going to be making a open world star wars game um massive studios which are the folks behind the division that is that is what we've always wanted is like a solid huge star wars game and ea has really not been able to deliver that they're not the open world guys but i i would have rather had the people behind uh the assassin's creed games uh obviously my my gushing about it earlier kind of would would lead you to assume that but the division 2 was a very fun game i enjoyed it a ton i did not like division 1 division 2 really figured it out to me and um having the the same creative director behind the division 2 is also behind uh the new star wars open world game so i would probably put money on it being a bounty hunter style mandalorian style third-person shooter Star Wars game, um, oh, which I would... And, you know, if it's a looter shooter, whatever, I'm sure they'll do it fine. I would shell out entirely too much money playing this game. But um, I would die. And I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I would die. <laughs> it would be the best thing ever. I think... I would be dead. I wouldn't enjoy it because I'd be dead, but it would be so good. <laughs> you want to play the game and then maybe 50 to 60 hours, then you can decide whether or not you want to exactly. call 911. Yeah. I think that um, if they were to make a you know, uh, a, a bounty hunter Mandal- set in the Mandalorian style where the Mandalorian is literally the quest giver or something. That would be really cool. And I think the idea of yeah. a looter shooter, the Division 2 did in a way that didn't feel, um, it felt meaningful, the loot. Like, it, 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 there was yeah. a lot of it, but it didn't overwhelm you. You just kind of equipped whatever had the higher amount. That's what I like. Just equip whatever the, had the higher amount. It all kind of looks the same on you, which is fine, because you don't want to run around looking like a Star Wars clown. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, you're all set. I think that's a great, sort of a great approach yeah. to... Imagine. Uh, Imagine. You start out as a foundling. You, you get rescued by a Mandalorian clan. They take you in. You rise up through the ranks. You get new bounties. You get new armor. I, I would I would just be the happiest person alive. It would be so good. As long as they have Pedro Pascal do... Uh do some voice then i'm i'm totally in i i think what a beautiful I, man he is i would i just want to rewind for a second where you guys were talking about like oh what a wonderful time it is for star wars and i would i would agree with don't that don't ruin this crafton don't ruin this but but i would say that like and this is sort somewhat of a segue into the mandalorian here is is that it is a pretty much 100% um due to the mandalorian and, and i say that because mm-hmm. um Despite Jordan's uh, unabashed love for the Last Jedi, it was hugely divisive among the fandom. And there's there's some people who love it, but there's some people who bitterly hate it. And then mm-hmm. then um, the r- rise of Skywalker is again like I think the best you can say is you have some people, a lot of people that are meh on it, and a lot of people that really dislike it. Um, 
uh, in between that, like I think Solo was released, which I think is an underrated film, but at the same point did not, you know, was a low box office point for Star Wars. I think when, um, uh, you know, when uh, Rise of the Skywalker came out, there was some serious concerns about where the Star Wars franchise was going, especially under Disney. Um, you know, was it... Uh, was the direction they had all these directors attached to these films they started dropping like flies it started going radio silent on a bunch of projects um it was it was concerning i think and i as a longtime star wars fan was at a needier in interest in this in the franchise where i was like well you know what i i you know i'll still play a good star wars video game if it comes out but i think that's that's about it for me at this point um and then the mandalorian comes along and boom uh, especially co- follow- coming off that season two f- finale, uh, my interest—I'm like back in it, uh, and uh, and now you know Ryan's touched on the possibility of spin-off shows and expanded universe and all of this sort of stuff, um, and all these projects that we're not talking about, and I'm way more interested in them and have way more confidence in them coming out as successful uh, than I did previously, all based on the strength of this one franchise. I, I say that, but also the rebel rebels and and um some of the animated stuff so i mean it, it it's really uh i'm not sure if i'm i'm being silly by putting so much faith in disney for some of these shows some of these projects have to miss you know they can't all be like a murderer's row of great stuff some of them are going to be bombs for sure I, yeah i think some yeah, yeah, are going to be I, uh, Sorry, I was just gonna say I think I think you're right like not all of them are gonna live up to Mandalorian sort of I think like the one that mm, I might get hurt for this but I think the one that might have the the toughest go is the book of of uh book of Boba like I mean we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about Mandalorian but I think that one that one feels the most forced to me but the fact that it does have you know Dave Filoni backing up and I think that's what it comes yeah. right down to is that Disney has empowered a person who's been who's been working alongside Lucas on the cartoon stuff and has stuck around and is now, he is the, the Kevin Feige of star Wars. And he, and I'm glad that Disney is finally looking at this and saying like, no, that guy and the guy that did Iron Man, let's get them to do all of the things and at least touch them in some way to make sure they've got that guidance. And if, if they, if they've found their MCU, Kevin, that is they have to stick with it and i think that's what we've got i think that was the issue with the conclusion to the skywalker saga with those three films is that it didn't it we know there was no vision because it wasn't in the films and it just kind of they did one story and then continued it with a different director and then continued it with the first director and it just kind of like almost loosely connect it was just really it felt really broken um in that the other films aren't and that these tv shows aren't um so i'm hoping with that structure that this they will all be good to great to amazing you know and that's all i hope for one thing before we before we segue Mm -hmm. into mando spoilers one thing that gave me just the utmost confidence and i don't care if her film flops or if it does amazing but but patty jenkins her the intro video that they did for her rogue squadron film where she talked about her father being a fighter pilot and and she you know when when he passed away she wanted to always tell a story about fighter pilots and now she gets to combine her love of star wars 
with with the memory of her father and and i was sitting there by the end of the stupid one minute and 30 second twitter video like in tears because this woman is like making a star wars movie in memory of her father and it happens to involve freaking rogue squadron like seeing that they have gotten people that are passionate about about star wars and the content that they're making I do not believe that J.J. Abrams was very passionate about Star Wars. I think he's a, a middle-of-the-road director, can tell good stories, but he takes the easy way out. And then, and now you have these people that actually grew up loving this stuff. I, I think that Disney has given me the confidence because of that, because of the people like Patty and, and obviously Filoni and, and the others that are making this stuff. I just think it's going to be great, but I also am a very optimistic person, so yeah. I could be wrong. I'd be way more excited about Patty Jenkins if uh, before I saw Wonder Woman 1984. I do not uh, subscribe to HBO, so I did not see it, and also <laughs> I think all DC content is not my favorite, yeah. so I don't go out of my way to watch it. It's but, not a controversial uh, opinion for me to say that Wonder Woman 84 was... Uh, yeah, I heard that Wonder Woman wasn't... was The newest one wasn't the most tremendous film of all time. Uh, but her Rogue One Jenkins film is going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm all for uh, Rogue, uh, Rogue Squadron game. I, I, yeah, not Rogue One. I'm sorry, Rogue Squadron. Yeah, Rogue Squadron. Um, I played the games. That's my real only attachment. I know there's a book, but... Um, I think a, like, there's like there's a ton of books. Yeah, but, there's probably a ton of books. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's all really exciting, and that's that's the one of the few, the only films that has a release date with Christmas 2023. And uh, yeah, it's uh, just a question for Jordan, real quick before we move on. Uh, the books are they're all legends now, right? Yeah, all the Rogue Squadron books are legends. They have released a new series called Alphabet Squadron. There are two books in that series, with a third coming out in March. Um, and they, they're kind of trying to take the place. But I think we're going to get actual Rogue Squadron books to come out in 2023. I would not be surprised if they sync up a few releases to coincide with the film and give us more depth there, because that is the Star Wars way. Yeah, I, I just think that this is, uh, again, like the, I would not surprise me if the film itself poaches from those books and the Legends content, as they have been doing on Mando yeah. and other shows. Oh, uh, give go, me go, give me Corrin Horn and some of these old Legends characters. I would, oh gosh, I'd be yeah. happy. Corrin Horn. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> d- d- <laughs> don't listen to him. <laughs> Corn horn. Choke on my drink there. It's yeah, uh, you know, corn horn. It's my favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Yeah, I was gonna make a corn joke, but I couldn't think of a better one. Like the band, not the food. So, um, <laughs> uh, anyways, with that amazing uh, transition, I, I, we've been we've been kind of teasing it long enough. Uh, let's talk about the Mandalorian season two. We are running long, but I know there's lots to talk about with the Mandalorian season two. So, spoilers, everyone. You've been warned if you haven't watched it. There's a time code in the notes jump to it and we will conclude the show there but uh the mandalorian season two um picks up right after the first season of course it's it's a linear thing but they've added so much more to it uh we we you know uh, they introduce ahsoka for a couple episodes we get the name of the child which is grogu um there's that thing that happens in the season finale like Wait, i don't know are if we, we jump around but are, are, are we, we in here? spoilers territory now we are in yeah, spoilers, spoilers. I just, I just, okay I just, luke freaking skywalker okay. was in Dude, the finale did you guys not uh, tear up like i got oh, so emotional when he appeared I, holy I, freaking sh- crap bro sh- 
So when <laughs> when um, Cara Dune turns on the bridge and says, like, what's one X-Wing going to do? Or, like, there's one right, X-Wing right. approaching. I legit – and this does not happen to me much with entertainment properties. I got goosebumps on my arms, and I was yeah. like, no, there's no way. There is no way. And then, and then when, you know, like, the, doing it through the security camera footage and all of that, uh, and, and sort of still – Still, I was not like I'm like this is a fake. Um, I'm a getting fake out. you know a fake out for sure. I'm I'm getting played, and it's going to be some extended universe character or some new character uh, or something of that of that nature. And uh, it, it, and I was like, but what if you know? And it was really just the black glove. And um, yeah, it, it, when I was like, no, okay, like at this point, it's really cruel. Like it's just like it is cruel. And then they give you essentially the ro- uh, the Rogue One Vader scene with Luke. That I think the people that so were good. most upset about Last Jedi. I know my friend Mike. Like all he has ever wanted in his life is um, Return of the Jedi level Luke Skywalker uh, kicking ass and taking names and uh, and. Uh, he, you know, he got it, and obviously there is, you know, yes, CG restored character. It is, it is Mark Hamill, um, and uh, you know, you, you can quibble with that sort of thing. Oh, he looked fine. Everyone that's complaining yeah. about it just is complaining because nothing else bad was in the episode, right? And that's just true. before I, I pass the mic on this because I, I do want to hear because uh, it really, really like I was like Luke friggin' Skywalker, uh, but. Uh, I, I will I will say that um that uh the, going back to my point about how this universe just keeps revolving around the Skywalkers and and uh, how um there was a big part of me with all of Mando season two that felt um not resentful uh, but like the first season created a new corner of the universe with new characters um not not you know like yes there was still the fan service in that yes he's some for some reason always going to tatooine um there's still there's still a lot of that stuff but it was new it was different they finally were doing something different they were getting out there and they weren't circling back to the same you know uh three or four families and uh so f- for season two to unfold the way that it did with you know bringing back boba fett and then bringing back luke skywalker and then like i didn't watch the clone wars animated series although it is on my to-do list but ahsoka and all of that as well it did feel like oh, okay this is you know getting a, a pretty fan servicey but yet they never lose track of the main story so luke mm-hmm. arrives he does all the ass kicking in the world i'm so excited like I'm, my wife is like laughing at me i've got i'm like standing up i've got like goosebumps on my arms i'm really excited and then pivots immediately to mando you know removing his helmet and saying his goodbye to the child that they have earned, like they have earned this relationship over two seasons. And I've got like tears in my eyes and I'm like, holy crap. And I've forgotten about Luke, Luke Skywalker and R2D2 are in the room and I have forgotten about them. And and now I'm I'm back in this. So the, the wizardry of this, is that they've mm-hmm. given me the fan service, the thing that I said that I'm starting to get annoyed with, but I secretly want. <laughs> and, and and then and then they're also furthering their own narrative and their own characters. Anyway, I was just poof, blown away by that finale. Yeah. Um I, I so here, here's the thing. I think it's really it takes it takes a special something to drown out the fact that uh Boba Fett 
has finally returned from the supposed dead. And I know in the legends, he's he's back and well. And I think they brought him back in this season. And as someone who's not as tied to Star Wars, like I can appreciate that Boba Fett is back. I can appreciate that Raylan Gibbons, I would have been fine if, uh, if Boba Fett didn't come back and it was just Raylan Gibbons in the armor. I would have believed that and it would have been fine. But the fact that I would have been back, fine with that too. He's awesome. He's awesome. And I, he has to come back for season three. He needs to be mm-hmm. like, the the season two or the blue guy who came back uh i blew myself guy uh, from season one <laughs> yeah. who came back to season two and I'm then i'm so glad he was back he was i know fun. he was great he he had um he made that first episode of season one and the fact that they bring him back and he's kind of like this uh he was never really a crook he just he 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 comes back and he's just able a to dork, a dork in space yeah, yeah he just had hit some bad luck and then then uh, he got a bounty put on his head but i think that Luke coming back, I appreciated it, even though, you know, you see the X-Wing and it's like, oh, it's it's Luke. It's got to be. There's no way they would tease. Like, The Mandalorian, these two seasons, has set up this expectation that Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau are not screwing with you. They are not you know um they're not trying to trick you into liking the show by dangling you know um og characters in front of you um they did a little bit in season one with you know the 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 spurs off-screen segment and and we we do get the payoff with boba fett coming back um but i knew they weren't teasing us and they and they they still played it really well with the slow reveal and the slow realization that it was luke um and I get it. You want, uh, you, you <laughs> Crofton, uh, you want, you want Luke Skywalker. You want Mark Hamill. I get that. I know fans get that. But personally, I feel like it would have meant more if they had cast a younger, they had recast Luke Skywalker. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And that's why I'm bringing it to you two in that if you had found a competent, great actor to take the place of Mark Hamill as a young Luke Skywalker, because let's face it, Mark Hamill is no longer a a young Luke Skywalker. There's got to be someone that gets close to that look and feel and mannerism that then could have led to possible returns of the character because now Grogu's gone off and he is disney's uh you know anna and elsa and olaf combined into one like they haven't done that since frozen and they've got this character that they've now shipped off to the slaughterhouse i don't understand it you should have cast someone young to re to we be are luke going skywalker. to get we are going to get a grogu and luke skywalker animated adventure i am i i mean i'm not gonna put money on it i'm not <laughs> really? a betting man i think that's in the cards because all right here all right strap in boys okay. so this the Kylo Ren comic books came out. <laughs> yeah, the Kylo Ren comic books came out after The Last Jedi came out. And the Kylo Ren comic books explain all of the Jedi that Kylo Ren kills. Okay? Okay. So we we see all of the Jedi that he kills. It comes out after Mandalorian season one and, and all of the stuff. Grogu's not in there. Oh. They they have a plan. The same writers, the same story group people. Grogu is not in Luke's training academy when kylo ren kills everyone grogu is gone and i will literally die on this hill he's not part of that disney is not done printing money so they are going to milk this for all it's worth 
And, and there's like a 20 year gap between Mandalorian season two and when Kylo Ren kills all of the Jedi at Luke's Academy. So Grogu could be well done and gone by the time you know, he could be trained or he could have dropped out and become a freaking bounty hunter himself. Who the heck knows? Um, so Disney's not done. I guarantee it. His story is literally just beginning. Um, again, because Disney's not done printing money. Like no. my 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 two year old has a has three Grogu dolls of varying sizes. One is uh, bigger than he is. One is the whatever the the kind of the plush size, and then one's like a little cross stitched one that my friend made us. Like I'm surprised my, my kids he chose are obsessed. those. He lo- <laughs> yeah, he chose them all on his yeah, own. Yeah, um, <laughs> legitimately do love the this stuffed animal of this weird green alien, and, and a lot of kids do. So they're not done with this character, and uh, I, I think it would be silly for Disney to be done. And, and I think maybe season three, season four, whatever of Mandalorian will get it. But I really do think um, the Bad Batch is not enough of an animated show for Disney to to invest in i still think we're gonna get like a rebels uh series two or something like that and i think the adventures of luke and grogu would be the most charming and get freaking mark hamill to voice act it the dude can voice act so well like someone give me a line to kathleen kennedy i would love to talk to her right now what what i would say to answer your question ryan about the recasting of mark hamill um or, or luke skywalker um is is uh i wouldn't do it and i'll tell you i'll tell you why and it really ha- has a lot to do with my personal preference um and, and if you are going to continue if you're going to be doing more luke adventures then recast it mm-hmm. yeah. but don't do more luke adventures um right. is is yep. so so i think luke skywalker sir works best now like with the the now there's a sequel trilogy with old Mark milk drinking Mark Hamill. Um, but, but I think he works best right now is a symbolic figure in the way that Batman often exists in comic books. Like there are the Batman stories where he's the main character. Sometimes he's just like, you see his cowl from the back and you're like, Oh, it's Batman, you know? And he, 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 he has a symbolic presence over Gotham and that sort of thing. I, I, I do think that Luke, um, the way they played that scene was the way that it needed to be played. Even if mm-hmm. they had a young and fit Mark Hamill d- doing all these moves, it wouldn't. It almost wouldn't have resonated. They used the um, the uh, they used our emotions against us in many ways. They made us guess. They made us feel like. Uh, and, and then to you know they they gave us the bare minimum in the sense they kept him stationary uh, when he revealed himself, uh, which worked with the, his new newly found Jedi composure. But I do, I do think that it's one of those things where like you could do that maybe once or twice, like have him as a presence in another, in, in another live action show. Um, but he should be in a cameo form. But if yeah. you ha- bring in a new actor and you, you, you pass the torch to him and he all he did was that scene the new actor all he did was that i'm luke skywalker i'm here to rescue you scene at the at the um at the end of mando well then you're going to be tempted to put him in everything or put Mm -hmm. him in a lot and give him movies or give him other things and that's bad and i don't think that they should do that i think they should leave luke well enough alone for the most part i kind of like jordan's um, animated pitch because I think that it would be like you know more of a lighter thing on, on the side uh, but but uh, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think he should 
the, the universe should stop rotating around him. He should be like an iconic presence. That's my my two cents. And, and, and I think I think Disney would probably agree with you. I, I don't think that, and I think a lot of fans would. I the last person I if you would have asked me before Mando season two finale appeared, the last person I would have wanted there was Luke Skywalker. I wanted to see um, Ezra from uh, from freaking Rebels. I would have loved to see that. Kanan, I would have loved to see that. Um, really, any Jedi other than Luke Skywalker, I probably would have thought would have been cool. And then Luke Skywalker appeared, and and there was no no alternative. Like Luke yeah. was the Jedi that needed to be there. It was way cool. But um, I don't want to see him again. I, I think I think leave him the way he is because he, the Agreed. reason why that reveal worked so well was because no one expected it. Yeah, I, I think um, I think you make solid points. Like if you if you are not bringing him back for at least you, if you're just having him for that cameo, I think we get him one more time. I mean, Grogu is connected to him. It would feel weird for Grogu to show up without Luke because they've established that Luke is such a badass and he's able to take on all these dark troopers that Grogu is still a child. So I think Luke and Grogu come back at least once to the Mandalorian and they reintroduce the child or Grogu to, to, um, Mando, uh, like, unless Grogu disappears from the Mandalorian forever, his reintroduction has to involve Luke or else the story kind of doesn't make sense from a character perspective, Mm -hmm. but I kind of see where you guys are coming from. Um, I find it, it's probably more of a testament to the star Wars, everything that you don't want your main character to be in everything like it's kind of like saying i you know i want to play the new legend of zelda game but i don't want link to be in it or zelda or these main characters it's kind of it's very it's very telling that star wars as a whole is just so beloved that you don't want your main characters to come back well Ryan, it's Ryan, weird. to that point, like that Zelda example, everybody right now is clamoring for news for Breath of the Wild 2, and they all want news that Zelda will be a playable character. Yeah, but you and know Zelda's going to be in it, is what, like... It's yeah, no, but like, them. if somebody's, if they come out and are like, oh, it's just Link the whole time again, people will legitimately be disappointed. And that's because they've played Link as Link for many, many games previously, and they would like the opportunity to play Zelda. Luke Skywalker, same deal. We've seen Luke. He's been in every film. He's done all of this stuff. We're ready for, for new stuff. And I think it's just, it, it, he's, he was the main character that got us in. And now there's this whole world and you could, you could visit with, many many other characters mm-hmm. um and so i i just just um on, on the finale uh, and and likely we'll move backwards into some of the the um the rest of the series i was confused with the book of boba cliffhanger at the end um <laughs> they they hadn't announced anything at the time no. and uh, i i was thinking about the finale and it really did feel that the first two seasons had an arc a story arc that was now concluded it was about mando and it was about him becoming a different person through fathering uh the, the like being the father figure for this for this uh uh child and um and now they'd reached this point and either season three is going to start with like uh, Grogu becoming hooky, hooky and like I quit this school, Luke, and then and then going and joining uh, Mando for more adventure, 
or um, they have to find a new new angle for the the Mandalorian. Uh, and uh, you know, they touched on stuff about King of Mandalore, all of that, but. I, I really don't think that he is driven by any of that stuff. And so it made me think, wow, each episode is called chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. The next thing, the book of Boba, the release date is the time that the, the Mandalorian normally comes out. Is Mandalorian season three just going to be focused on Boba Fett and he is the new Mandalorian and maybe we'll get cameos from Mando and all of that and hear a little bit more of his story. My understanding now is that it's seemingly a spin-off show. I'm mm-hmm. still not 100% sure on yeah, that. Yeah, they they've confirmed it's a it's a limited series to my to my understanding. So it's probably going to be like I don't know, 5, 6, 7 episodes, who knows. Um maybe less. I guess Mandalorian's only 8 episodes per season, but limited series should mean smaller, I think. Um and then we're going to get more beyond that with uh, with Din Jaren and all of his uh, fun exploits. Yeah, I, I got the sense that my initial reaction was like, oh, this is Mando season three. Uh, but the the clarification has been it is a separate sort of spinoff. Um, I agree with you, Crofton. Like, it's kind of weird with Grogu exiting stage right with uh, with good old Luke. Um, it is hard to see what season three of the Mandalorian could be, but I kind of also feel like that's because we are, that show put us in Mando's shoes so well, because there was a bunch of setups for more content. Yet we're just sitting here. I'm like, we just said goodbye to the reason we watched the show for two seasons. And that just shows how powerful it was with, with Grogu leaving. Like, I I hope they don't necessarily like get Grogu too, you know, in here. It's just a, a, like a, it's that it's that weird alien from Rise of Skywalker. It's his backstory and why he's important. Um, please don't do that. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I think it'll be. I think it's going to tie into um, more of uh, of what they set up with, um, like you said, the King of Mandalore. Like I know he's not very interested, yeah. but it seems like he'll get he'll get pulled into that in some fashion because it yeah like i I, i'll break the trend here i am more excited for mando season three than i am for for most other things coming out in the the star wars cinematic universe because it it has this political drama bo katan wants to rule mandalore uh din jaren does not give a flying crap about ruling mandalore but he doesn't have a choice now because the dark saber is his like he has by by defeating uh what's his beak the, the 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 main bad guy whose name i cannot remember uh, uh moff gideon moff gideon thank you by defeating moff gideon and claiming the dark saber as his own he is now the rightful ruler of mandalore so i think we're going to get a time jump where where there is great conflict i think bo-katan might become one of the antagonists in the next season because which would be super fun. I loved her character in um uh Clone Wars cartoon. Katie Sackhoff does a wonderful job from voice acting to to live action. She's she's killing it. I still think of Starbuck every time I see her, but mm-hmm. she's she's killing it. And make a Starbuck joke. <laughs> do it. No, no, that that was it. Oh, Starbucks. I was just oh, gonna say Starbucks, but go ahead. Oh good. Yeah, I, I think of Starbuck every time because Battlestar was great. Um but now I think she's going to be this antagonist, and I think we're going to see her her uh, Mandalorian uh, aggression, I guess, kind of come out. and And I think we could have a really fun time of this this uh, this ruler that doesn't really want to rule 
and and this the system that is making him do this because he's just a guy like like Boba Fett would say a simple guy trying to make his way in the galaxy and, and Din doesn't want any of that. But um, why would he have to do any? He could just like you get it's on tradition and leave. And well, Mandalorians care about tradition, and that is all that matters. But she yeah, gave she gave true. him you know crap because he was wearing his helmet, and then like he's like, well, just take it. I don't want it. And she's like, no, we have to fight for it. I have to win it. And it's like. Wow, I know quite a quite a table turn here, but it just seemed um Yeah. And then now who's the military well, one? Yeah. And that, that goes back to to the rule uh when, when she was in the Clone Wars where where she was trying to unite all of the clans and they didn't want to unite because there wasn't a rightful uh ruler with the, the Darksaber. And so now she's trying to do it the right way. She's trying to get the Darksaber. She's trying to rule according to the traditions and the principles of Mandalore itself. And and she doesn't want to cut corners because the story, as Moff Gideon said, is is the most important part. How she claimed the Darksaber and and took held of this glory is is as important as the saber itself. And so without the story, without actually claiming it, she doesn't have a claim to the throne. And Mandalore will continue to be fractured by all of these different factions. I mean, kind of look at it like, you know, Christianity or Judaism. You've got this Orthodox group that will never take their helmet off. And they're they're a little different on the outside. But you know, if you really understand their principles, they're fine. And then you have like this more contemporary group of, of youngins who they take their helmet off willy nilly. And they have all of these other clans, and she wants to unite them all under one banner. The dark is the way to do that, and I, yeah. I think we'll get a lot of fun uh, lore exposition in season three. Hopefully, yeah. where did the dude go? Mom. Like the dude, the, there was like there was like Sasha Banks mm. and in Starbuck, and there was a dude. And, yes, and- he'll be back. He tweeted. No, he put it on his Instagram. Um, he said he was missing for a good reason, oh. whatever that means. Yeah. But he said Enough. that he, he also said that you won't see the last of him, which was which is fun. I just it just was. I, I remember, um, like you know, they they had that absolutely killer action scene where all the ladies come down the ramp and just like start taking names and stuff like that. And I just wondered if they were like they're like doing this, and there was this one dude, and they're like, you know, buddy, it just doesn't quite work with you there. <laughs> Do you mind, you know, and they're not taking wrong. off? I mean, it was pretty uh, cool. It was pretty it, like my wife had turned to me. She's like, "This is it's so cool to see an all woman strike force actually being cool in Star oh, Wars." Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It, it was very empowering. It was very neat. I I will say one other thing about the finale, and I mean, it's hard because the whole season built towards the finale, and like, uh, while every you know the, the season had some episodes that were less good than others, some that were stronger. It overall was a a, a very compelling season uh, leading into a, a a big finale. But one thing that has always struck me as impressive about the Mandalorian, um, and is the music and the fact mm-hmm. that they decided early on to abandon all star Wars music essentially and create their own score, a score that is really good. And, yeah. um, it's fantastic. The, the theme for uh, the Mandalorian himself in particular, um, as it's become very much more of a character theme than I think it even was at the beginning, uh, when he walks on screen and it, and it kicks in, I think specifically of the scene in the finale, the strike force has gone in They're t- they're kicking ass taking names and then he's 
coming in to sort of do his stealth business. Um, and, uh, it, there's a bunch of smoke around the ship and he comes out and the theme plays and it's just immediately amazing. But then also when Luke Skywalker, Luke freaking Skywalker appears for the first time, uh, on the show reveals who he is. They cue Luke's theme from, uh, a new hope and the quintessential star Wars fanfare and, you know, goosebumps of plenty for the first time they've held this back the whole time. And they're like, Nope, Luke's on screen. We are going to break our rule. And beyond that, um, even the terminators, the T 800, uh, what do you call them? Um, uh, the dark uh, troopers, dark troopers from dark forces, I think. Um, yeah. and, uh, they are, uh, they had their own musical fanfare, which was also kick-ass so just, cool they just they really the musical work and the sound work on top of uh like it, it just makes something that is like i i have to pinch myself to say this is a tv show because yeah. when i was a kid it was very clear what was a tv show mm -hmm. and what wasn't when you watched a show that 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 was on tv the costumes instantly became shit. The um the the special effects were like garbage if there were special effects. Um, like I watched this fantasy show with Heath Ledger called Roar. Um and it was like uh, 13 episodes before it was canceled for Ally McBeal on Fox. And I went back the other day and I looked up, I looked up Roar on, on the Google and I looked at the costumes and I watched the clip. I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. Like especially <laughs> – but it aired on one of the five major channels like on Fox. Um, and this was the level of costuming, the level of special effects. And here I'm watching the show on my streaming service that for, for all intents and purposes is another Star Wars movie, you know, broke. Mm -hmm. up uh there i see no cut corners ever almost you know the one For thing sure, and if none. i'm being real nitpicky is when the shuttle came in it looked a little cg i was like okay it's coming like and this is in the finale but but that is essentially it um and so i just very very impressive by the production impressed by the production values on the show and i really and my wife really enjoyed this show and we're finding it harder to find shows that we both get on board for lately and are both enthused about but like we're yeah. Every, you know, week to week when a new episode of Mando was out, we're like, oh, yeah, the only thing was they were off in a half hour, which is pretty short. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I agree with you. Like the lines, the lines are very much blurring for some television and movies. Uh, you see the Disney, mostly the streaming stuff. I find that um, you find that with the streaming stuff on Disney Plus and Netflix, like some of those TV shows, the budget is just is crazy especially for these sci-fi high cg sort of concept films uh and tv shows like like the mandalorian um but there's there's still bad tv out there uh some of the network shows there's it's still out there but it is really great to see disney putting all this money behind and and people thought they were crazy putting all this money uh behind a, a star wars tv show and i think it's it's really really paid off for them um I'm before we like jump out because we have been going long before we jump out. I'm just curious that when it comes to Boba Fett and his return as someone who isn't as connected to that character, like I'm excited to see more of him. I'm excited that they kind of tied him in with the recasting they did in the prequels. Um, that sounds great. It's kind of odd to me that he is he appears to be like kind of a good guy in the series. I want to kind of in the Mandalorian. I kind of want to see his shift from return of the Jedi to 
the Mandalorian, see what happened between those those segments. I think we'll get some of that in, in Book of Boba. Uh, but then at the end of the Mandalorian season two, and they and they announce Book of Boba, it really seems like he's a bad guy. So I'm kind of confused. Like, is is the Book of I Boba going to be him? I wouldn't so much say he's a bad guy. He's mm-hmm. a bounty hunter, and and I think he had a very big axe to grind with uh, Jabba the Hutt. And uh, Bib, unfortunately, Bib Fortuna, poor guy, um, who who he shot, uh, and 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 I think he just he had a score to settle, and uh, he's a crime lord through and through. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. He's he's chaotic neutral. If we were looking at a D and D alignment chart, um, he's he's not bad. He's not good, but he is pretty chaotic. And and I think we're gonna see him just doing whatever it takes to make money. Like I said earlier, his his kind of motto, his slogan is he's just a simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy. And that's really all he is. Uh, but if you sprinkle in wanting to make a ton of money on top of that and mm. between him and Fennec Shand, who is his kind of accomplice, I think we're going to see some really cool, uh, morally ambiguous things. And R- Ryan, I'd have to say um, one thing that's always been <laughs> interesting about the Boba Fett character is he is the quintessential example of somebody looking amazingly cool and people just latching onto them based on his look, having done next to nothing in the original trilogy. Um, and really, like if you watch the the original trilogy, uh, Jeremy Bullock, who unfortunately passed away, like just just at this time the finale was coming out, and I felt that was like bittersweet that his the character he was known for was having this sort of return to prominence just as he passed but he was he was the man underneath the armor and he had maybe a a couple of lines in empire where they were introduced he did one thing that was kind of smart which was follow the millennium falcon through garbage and then um in the uh in return of the jedi he's you know he's brought han solo and carbonite to jabba's palace and is in the opening act and then gets famously han solo while blinded somehow takes him out anyway um so he never does anything particularly spectacular but he looked really cool and i do believe that the whole concept of the mandalorian series and the mandalorian characters um have have grown from just how wicked the armor looked and uh mm-hmm. and the mandalorian series pretty much gave us what we wanted all along what boba fett did out of armor in that episode where he's introduced i think uh the third from the last um when when grogu's sending out the signal it was way more impressive and awesome and that episode was directed by an action director robert rodriguez and what he did there was way more impressive than anything that he did in the original trilogy and and it yeah and so now he's a cool he's a cool dude people always liked him but they liked him not for the substance of his character let's just put it Mm -hmm. that way did you guys watch the the making of where they were um oh what's his name that that plays him tamara morrison where where he talks about how he did that fight scene and how he incorporated the the traditional haka from new zealand how he incorporated that into his oh movements. no that's awesome yeah so they have that that episode the making of on disney plus right now yeah, the gallery and so he talks about the 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 cultural significance of what he did and and that just made it 10 times cooler like tamara morrison is legitimately jacked to be in star wars again and that is cool yeah i really appreciate them bringing these characters back um i think where i really started to notice it was with rogue one and they brought back the actress who played um 
Moth, Mon Mothra or whatever. I'm getting Mon it wrong. Mothma, yeah. yeah, Mon Mothma. <laughs> Mothra. Uh, Mon Mothma uh, or whatever. <laughs> she, she, The actress who played her in the prequels came back for Rogue One, and we're seeing that with the Endor series. And then we're seeing it even more here with uh, Mandalorian and, and having, um, is it Django, the guy who played Django? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought I had a mistake there. Um, no, and having, right. having him come back, and, and he, he jumps right into the role, and as as original star wars fans uh from the from the original films do you feel like he captures that boba character like i'm trying to remember no he doesn't well i mean like like bear in mind all of this is retconned right like uh, the act tamara morrison was not he was not who they thought of that was under all the clone clone um stormtrooper helmets when they were filming the original trilogy it, you know like he's the actor they cast in the prequels and so forth and like i know people change physically but when he's wearing boba's armor he's much more you know heavy set physically intimidating um especially at the age he is now than boba is in the the trilogy in the um, the original trilogy and this doesn't take place that long after return of the jedi and in, in those original trilogy he's very jeremy bullock is is very you know he's very slim the armor is very spelled, much more akin to Mando, the way Mando looks in this uh, in this series. So I would just say that he doesn't. Uh, I I never felt really like even when he had the armor on again, I I kind of felt he was Boba Fett two and not necessarily the guy that I watched in the um, the original trilogy. I I was always cognizant in my mind that this was a a different person and potentially different character. Yeah. Okay. Because that's kind of how I felt. I just didn't want to say it because I didn't want to be like. <laughs> I, I loved it a ton. So you guys are weird. I, oh, I loved it. Don't, don't <laughs> no, get me wrong. I loved it. I'm, no, yeah, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. No, I get what you guys are saying. Yeah, I think it's just. Um, I I think when I so when I saw Raylan, it's like let's let's rewind all the way back to the first episode, which I thought was hugely amazing. underrated episode. It was a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, when it came out, it was like kind of. It, it's weird when it came when that first one came out. It was like, oh my god, Mando's back. It's amazing. And that whole episode is just this hour-long epic concluding with this giant cinematic battle that you would not think to see on TV or on a, on a TV product. But I don't remember the character's uh, name, but basically Raylan Givens comes out and he he is wearing the armor. He's wearing Boba Fett's armor. And I feel like he more matches what I remember from... Um, from Boba in in the original uh, in the original films, like he's got that sort of build. The armor kind of fits him more loosely a little bit, but um, I love that they play it off as him being like this uh, this person who just bought the armor, but still having a really solid story to go with it. Um, when they explain how he got the armor, but yeah, with the Jawas, it's funny that episode is just like that's. It's like there's these two polemic um, sides of the Mandalorian and. It, in the premiere is one and then the 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 season finale is another that's that premiere was very much a bottle episode in this well not a bottle episode but an episode that is self-contained um and uh it was telling a story and a monster of the week type story that the first season dealt with and i kind of really like that and it did such a good job of that like telling that monster of the week type story with these interesting side characters on this village in tatooine really embracing its westernness because uh, the mandalorian's always been um at heart a western and i i just i thought i and obviously great great characters great conflict um 
awesome action uh and then then you know and then it ends and he goes off and 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 then you see that's the first time you get a glimpse of boba there and um also the hook for next time and then on the other end of the season you have this this bringing together of all these all this action and all this fan service and i love both of it like i Mm -hmm. love both those those things and um i'm i'm constantly impressed that they've managed to weave it all together um in a way that makes that makes sense i think like my worst episode of the season was the second episode which i felt in terms of plotting was expendable where it was just him helping the frog lady but the frog um, lady she was charming yeah no i'm not so not only that (laughs) but like the the um the spider creature and the ice planet that's the closest i think i've ever seen star wars get to horror you know like to suspense Mm -hmm. and horror and so thematically even though plot wise they're not doing much they're sort of stuck in ice the thematically it's doing new th- it's still doing new things or doing interesting things so um and, and the spiders it. are way cool like you you see them did you guys play the jedi fallen order game yeah i did yeah those yeah. those are the stupid spiders on freaking yeah. kashik like <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so you already kind of had like this this knowledge of like oh my gosh these are the spiders that killed me constantly and and so you go into it with like oh dude he's boned like he's gonna die and it's just cool like i i that is probably the most throwaway episode i have no doubt but it was a cool episode like seeing the space spiders uh a little ridiculous on on like okay so the spiders broke your cockpit apart then you were able to repair it how quick and now you can fly into space with a cockpit that a spider just broke like it was a little ridiculous but star wars is nothing if not ridiculous yeah Yeah, no they 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 that episode I really uh, liked for what it was, as as Crofton said, more of a horror sort of genre episode. Um, it also given more it's given more context with the Disney announcements, but is kind of also like a backdoor pilot episode for um, the 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 New Republic or the yeah. Knights of the New Republic or whatever they're calling it. Um, and Rangers, then, yeah, the Rangers, yeah. Thank you. And then you get the uh, although I guess that could be more towards Cara Dune's. Um, uh, character and her being sort of a marshal now which i thought was a yeah, good i hope fit. i hope we don't see any more cara dune personally <laughs> but that's just because her actress is not yeah cool. i don't follow her on twitter <laughs> I, all yeah, no no i don't for sure yeah um but I'll, i i what i'll say is like i think it's a it's a really solid second season really great stuff luke freaking skywalker boba fett um and it's so masterfully sort of put together in a way that that feels balanced and makes me more excited for all the spinoffs because now they can offload that stuff to other series and then not have to kind of maintain it within the Mandalorian. It's kind of good that the Mandalorian can get back to sort of the journey of, of, uh, of Mando and what he's doing. And you can kind of leave that extra stuff that they set up that has no longer much to do with Mando and kind of explore that elsewhere. I, I admire your, 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 earnest naivete but uh i'm gonna tell you right now if the Arrowverse and any of these other shows is any indication like this is just the beginning like next next now we're gonna have crossover episodes we're gonna have people coming back and doing this and then it's all gonna come it's it's gonna be less streamlined than than you know that you'll look back at season one and season even this season you'll be like oh they were just sort of you know, feeling out the the possible spinoffs, and then like by season five, it's like the galaxy's in crisis. 
Well, well I, mean, I don't know if you if you guys read in the Lucasfilm announcement uh, when they talk about Rangers of the New Republic, and I pulled it up here. Um, it says set within the timeline of the Mandalorian, this new live action series from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni will intersect with future stories and culminate into a cinematic story event. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that's going to happen. They're going to take crossovers and and weave together a story between multiple series and then have one gigantic cinematic event to cap off all of them. Um, so yeah, we're going to get crossover after crossover, but I will be the first to say I am so here for it. I would love every second of it and I can't wait. Uh, yeah, no, I hear that. I, I'm, I'm fine yeah. with it. I just, I think that uh, it, you're going to get, you're going to get less the Mandalorian setting up all these things and yeah, crossover episodes for sure. You're going to have, you're going to have that cross pollination between the seasons mm-hmm. and stuff, but I, yeah, no, you're you're probably you're probably both right in in the way they're going to go about this thing, and I just hope I hope they continue to do it in a way that continues to have that balance, and I and I I do have faith that they'll be able to do that because yeah. they've done. I, it. I don't think Favreau and Filoni would do anything crappy. Yeah. I really don't. I, I think that they have a good head on their shoulders, and, and Filoni is probably the biggest star wars fan that has ever been and and i don't think he's going to do anything bad with the franchise do you think they're stretching themselves too thin if they're involved in all these products like ah could be i mean so favreau and filoni are both involved in in ahsoka and rangers um their name isn't attached to lando or andor so will they continue to be involved in mando Oh that's yeah, I think question. that's their baby. They'll they'll keep going with that for sure. Um, oh, yeah, I hope so. I, I don't know if Boba, the Book of Boba, has any sort of. I, I I would assume anything tied to the Mando sort of timeline is going to have Dave Filoni and John Favreau uh, somewhere in there. I, I mean, I know John Favreau wrote all of or if not most of the Mando scripts, and and I think he executive produced as opposed to directing. I could see them continue to have that sort of approach to those series. And yeah, like the fact that they're all filming them on sort of the, I forget what they call it, but it is in the great making of uh, Disney plus gallery stuff. What do they, they have a specific name for the stage they use with the unreal tech. Um, like theoretically, all these TV shows are going to be using the same stage. So if they're filming, they're filming like in and around the same area. Um, so I could see that logistically they could, they could be involved. Um, but as for writing and directing, I I think they've, they've shown that they're able to, to do the executive producer sort of approach to these and have directors come in and direct them, you know, direct the episodes separately from, um, Dave and John, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Like, are they spreading themselves too thin? It's hard to say, I guess we'll have to, we'll have to see. I think TV is always a little different from movies you always find like movies they you know they do one at a time but with tv shows you can have people popping back and forth to do different things so well yeah and with the technology that they have with that screen i mean it's so easy to to make a whole new set with mm-hmm. just you know the changing of a of a background and a computer screen like it, it's incredible what they can do and it's probably even easier now than it ever has been to turn i don't know if they do that in pinewood studios or or wherever they do that but to turn it from Mando to Ahsoka and let's just be real. A lot of star Wars areas look the exact same. I mean, if you've seen one desert planet, you've seen every desert planet. Yeah. 
or ice planet I, or jungle planet <laughs> it's right what uh, all star wars planets have just one ecosystem it's the weirdest thing all, all star wars planets look the same that is <laughs> prejudice just jordan um, <laughs> I, it's not very 2021 of me, I, uh, forgive me. I, I i will say that um that uh the mando show must be really good for covid restrictions what with the helmets and stuff like that so it's probably easier <laughs> easier for them to film it in that yeah, way everyone just has helmets and you saw you know if you watch the making of you see a little bit of that creeping in and it's it's kind of weird to see the making of as some set set folks are wearing masks and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like oh this is like right right up on there of of hitting the pandemic and um yeah it, it'll it be really interesting to see how these series come together and how mando continues but honestly a really solid season um a, a great tv show and i would agree um it's maybe turned me from someone who likes star wars to love star wars and uh i think mando is the first time that i've been like you have to watch this. And honestly, the first time that I've been able to get Ashley, my wife, to sit down and watch Star Wars. Like I said, it was Star Wars, but it doesn't have any of the weird like lightsaber stuff cause, and, and the Force stuff. It's very subdued, and, and she's in. She watched the first couple episodes of Mando, and um, we're all good. I just laugh that she gets to the season finality of seasons two, and then like no, 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 she has Luke. To, you gotta build up to it, man. You gotta build. Luke up to Skywalker it. comes and starts murdering robots with his laser sword, and she's like, "That's it, I'm out," and then walks out of the <laughs> well, room. After. In her defense, I think she's more. Uh, she she watched the she's seen some of the originals and i mean the lightsaber duels are not the greatest in the originals they're kind of silly and it's what they could do right and then you kind of get into you know even that mando scene with the lightsaber it's and i know i'm speaking like kind of out of turn here but it's it's amazing it puts every other lightsaber duel in the live action films kind of kind of like in a different tier you know of quality Wait, what what which one the 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 Luke Luke freaking Skywalker at the end of Mando when he's got his yeah, lightsaber yeah, and he's no emotionally okay yes emotionally evocative and all that but like it wasn't like there was no uh, there's been some amazing lightsaber tools I hate the prequels but I'm willing to give them their due for lightsabers oh, yeah and and that's yeah I think it's just I think the issue with lightsabers is 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 more like we tried to watch you know a New Hope and it's like mm, no and then that's probably my fault for starting with a New Hope for someone who wasn't very f- fond of, uh, of of people playing with uh, light sticks, but... Um... You know, light... It, Jordan's point about it being slow, and I think about the lightsabers and stuff, and yes, obviously much slower, but there's something about that that really lends a weight to them, that you feel like, this is a laser sword, and if you mess up, you're going to chop your arm off. Yeah. It, that they kind of I mean, lose That was time. intentional. I, I remember watching... I had a VHS set when I was a kid that had, like, a making of Star Wars that I rewatched thousands of times it's why i am the way i am today and and i do remember lucas talking about how the original lightsabers he he in his mind they had a very big weight to them be it a physical weight or a a, just a responsibility weight and when they would move them it was a lot different and then you start to see that evolve by the time you got to return of the jedi it was a lot quicker a lot more fluid uh motion and now it's actually really cool but yeah anyway I, i can understand that for sure uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited for where Star Wars is at, and I think uh, I think it's it's bounced back from the rocky start of all the movies that they did with the the conclusion to the Skywalker saga, and I li- I still love parts of that as well. But like like you said, Crofton, I think when you have 
have a, a film series that's so based in fandom and you kind of split the fandom and or completely throw the fandom off off the edge with uh, the rise of skywalker you're that is proof that you're you're not really doing it <laughs> you're not heading in the right direction so i think they've course corrected here without completely throwing away all of the new and old and they've found a good balance so i'm glad we were able to get you on jordan to discuss yeah Mando. this was a blast guys yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I know we've gone two hours, so we're going to have to close out the show there. But I kind of expected right. we'd go long because there's there's yeah. lots of Star Wars to talk about. And we have two giant Star Wars fans here to uh, to go back and forth with. Um, but yeah, before we jump out, Jordan, is there is there anywhere on the Internet that people can can find you? Uh, if, if you enjoy um, kind of political hot takes that that are of a left of center point of view my twitter is jordan m blythe at uh it's hat at jordan m blythe that's my my twitter account um that's really all that i'm at i don't really do any other podcasts or anything like that um and honestly it's probably for the best because i'd just be dropping weird political or theological hot takes and no one would really want to listen to that so uh so yeah i'm on twitter Cool. Well, and now you can say you were on Dungeons and Diapers, so you can put exactly. that in your Twitter bio. <laughs> and nobody has ever become famous or developed a cult following for having political or religious hot takes ever before in history. So no. I'm sure you're right. Especially it, on Twitter. You know, I don't want to put myself in, in any kind of limelight <laughs> uh, of any kind. I just want to fly under the radar <laughs> and, the, and just well. get angry on Twitter when I want to get angry on Twitter, which... You know, there's a lot to be angry about right now. So, so the the getting's good, but you've but not on the Star right Wars, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, good stuff. Well, we do really appreciate you uh, you coming on the show because um, it was and listening up. and listening, of course, of yeah. course. Uh, of course. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we are officially heading out of Mandalorian spoilers and heading into the outro as we invite everyone to go to our website, tgistudios.com slash dad, where you'll find a bunch of other episodes that Jordan's listened to, and you should too. Definitely go back and listen. Uh, you can email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Let us know what you think about The Mandalorian Season 2 and our other Star Wars hot takes. Uh, especially mine with the uh, with the the light stick comment. Sorry about that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter as Jordan mentioned, Jordan M Blythe on Twitter. You can find me at R Murphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. It's gonna do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great couple weeks, and we'll see you later. I was gonna make a galaxy joke, but I failed. May the force be with you, Ryan, yeah. and you, Jordan, and also with you. This is the way. I was going to say amen. It felt like that's where we were going. <laughs> it wasn't where it was we were going, Ryan. Spirit, you know? Yeah. I uh, almost I almost did the... Uh, I would, Ten years of Catholic school almost made me just <laughs> knock my mic over. <laughs>